It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, welp, there go the good vibes. The Raptors fall to the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday night, bringing to an end their fleeting three-game winning streak and sending everybody back into the spiral of despair. We'll break it all down with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. All coming up on today's show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1321 of lockdown raptors for monday january the 16th i'm your host sean william and cover the toronto raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms you can find all of my work over on twitter at woodley sean you can also find the show at locked on raptors and you can go and follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps it's much appreciated when you do that we're also on youtube please go hit the big red subscribe button over there over there over there i'm from newfoundland apparently now uh over there on youtube please uh do that it's much appreciated and a reminder you can win two tickets to the raptors republic live podcast party fun times extravaganza on february the 7th by sending an email to locked on raptors at gmail.com with a screenshot proving you are subscribed to the youtube channel as well as a little note on your favorite deep cut toronto raptor of all time those who do that will be entered into a draw i will pull the winners on the uh on tuesday of next week the 24th so get your submissions in now today's show is also brought to you by prize picks first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with the promo code locked on that's prizepicks.com promo code locked on all right on today's show we are joined by our pal vivek jacob to break down a 114 103 bummer of a loss by your toronto raptors to the atlanta hawks and uh vivek is not just being super cool he had a little eye procedure so that's why he's wearing sunglasses for the confused video folks out there but vivek how does it feel to look so cool (laughs) (laughs) i mean it, it doesn't feel as good uh 
as you know actually getting the procedure done it was a long sure. time coming and mm-hmm. uh you know hopefully uh everything will be right in a minute and uh in your nine years covering the team i don't know if anyone's worn sunglasses uh with you on the podcast i don't think it's happened i don't think we've done any outside episodes i myself am rarely a sunglasses man because i'm a regular glasses man and i don't like to stack the sunglasses on the glasses though i will when the sun is in a weird spot while i'm driving in the car um but this isn't a podcast about sunglasses are we maybe procrastinating so we don't have to talk about that stupid game from saturday maybe but (laughs) Let's dive in, shall we? We are going to dig into today, of course, our big takeaways, sort of looking back on the homestand as a whole, go through the good, the bad, and the hmm, and we're also going to introduce a new little fun segment where we rate the fake comeback, because that's the only thing we have to keep us going these days, is all they do is have fake comebacks. But before we dive into all that, let's get to our big takeaways. Big V, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 114-103 dud against the Hawks to close their homestand? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of a takeaway it is at this point, but like no matter what, even even the two wins against the Charlotte Hornets, even getting a strong dose of the Charlotte Hornets is not enough to find mm-hmm. some level of consistency. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you look at the start of that game against the Hawks, it's, you know, you're thinking, okay, maybe these guys are finally feeling good and maybe they'll carry it a, that over. And before you know it, it's 18 to 2. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, the good vibes are gone. Yeah. Uh, look, I tend to bring to this podcast a sunny disposition. I'm optimistic. I like to keep things the same. Change scares me, et cetera, et cetera. You actually uh, should be wearing shades every episode. I probably should. Uh <laughs> On account of all of the sun and toxic positivity, I don't know if sunglasses protect from that. Um, maybe the audience should be wearing sunglasses. Maybe you're you're in the right here. But either way, um, look, I still think there are reasons to like a lot of what they have on this roster. However, uh, if you're on the side of blowing the whole bloody thing to smithereens, this was the game for you to use as the top of your argument because, man, oh, man, just nothing went right in this game, and a lot of their big problems were very much on display. You know, Christian Coloco did not have himself an excellent performance. Therefore, the center concerns appear once again, and kind of relying on a first-year guy who's a second-round pick who is very clearly talented but has a lot to work out to be your only bellwether for regular, consistent center play may be a little bit distressing. Of course, Pascal Siakam, this team is very dependent on Pascal Siakam. It's been one of their faults all season long, and you see on a night where Pascal Siakam doesn't quite have it, just 15 points on uh, 5 of 16, uh, was bothered by the Hawks, it seemed, in a way that he's very rarely been bothered by the Hawks in his entire career. Very confusing, perplexing game, but when you don't get a big Siakam game, it's very difficult for this Raptors team to keep up. You also throw in the guy who everyone's throwing all of their scorn towards right now, Fred Van Vliet, and did himself no favors by having maybe the worst game I've ever seen him play as a Toronto Raptor. One of nine, three points, one of six from three, a minus 16. The defense, you know, in fairness, he kept on getting thrown to DeJounte Murray as though something were going to change. It did not, and it was as bad an on-ball defensive performance as I think I've ever seen from Fred Van Vliet. Um, 
Big V, of those sort of big bellwether issues, was there one that really kind of stood out to you? I mean, we should probably discuss Fred at, in greater length because this was a really, really tough one for him. And those who are convinced this team needs to send him off somewhere else and move on to some new era uh, have a little more ammunition in their argument after what we saw against Atlanta, no? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, in terms of the things that like bothered me most from the game, it was probably, again, like you go back to that Fred matchup against DeJounte and mm -hmm. you're looking at it and saying, okay, why is this still a thing after DeJounte is getting bucket after bucket after bucket? Uh, there was a period where they, the Hawks were running their screening action and then Scotty ended up switched on to DeJounte and he actually mm -hmm. had a good couple possessions. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, okay, maybe there's a thing that'll work. And then the Raptors just didn't like go back to it. It was almost like because of how much they trust their switching scheme. It's like, oh, the Hawks are just going to keep running the these screens and locking themselves into switch. trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and and then it was like, OK, we just won't call these screens because DeJounte is just cooking him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then that's how they got the looks that they wanted. So I think that part of it uh, was frustrating. I know we've talked a bunch about how, you know, for a team that has uh, some pretty good individual defenders, especially mm -hmm. now with Precious back in the mix, uh, maybe you don't need to do that as much. Um, I know even Precious uh, got a couple looks at him, and at that point, DeJounte was so hot that it didn't really yeah. matter, and he was able to get <clears throat> enough separation for that mid-range jumper. So, yeah, things like that where maybe you try to, you know, mow things down early before mm -hmm. someone's cooking to the extreme and it really doesn't matter who's in front of him. Mm -hmm. um, that proactiveness uh, would have been nice to see. Yeah, and I mean, they have the options, right? I know Trey Young is out there too, but like OG Ananobi has gleefully guarded point guards all season long and done it very well. Precious, I mean, one of the most, you know, might be a game that is like put up in the museum of Vision 6-9 once this is all over in three weeks. But, uh, you know, like the game earlier this season on Halloween, Precious and OG and Scotty and Pascal gave Trey Young and DeJounte Murray fits the entire night. And they just couldn't seem to recapture that formula, despite having all of their guys available. It, it was just uh, very frustrating, very maddening. It felt at any time, because the Hawks, I think, are weak sauce as a team. It kind of felt at any point like the Raptors could get back into it. They ended up, you know, they, they got down big early and kind of kept touch. But eventually, they just, you know, at some point, you have to get a stop. And this was a pretty grim defensive performance. And look, if there was anything oh, to feel... Quickly. Yeah, I, I I just want to say there were those couple of stretches where they got stop after stop yeah. after stop, and then they couldn't get a bucket. Yeah, right, yeah. and that killed them. Uh, towards the end of the game, um, the Hawks saw the Raptors kind of go full Vision Six Nine and said, "Okay, we're just going to zone up because we don't mm -hmm. trust, you know, your shooting um, mm -hmm. or your ability to actually like get into <laughs> the paint, uh, you know, against the zone." And and then that worked out as well, right, mm -hmm. for the Hawks. So. Uh, it, it was almost like one of those things where, again, it's another theme of this season where you've got a bit of a whack-a-mole roster where it's like you plug one hole and then another gets exposed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was tough stuff. Um, 
you know, not a ton in terms of positives to pull from it, truthfully. We will try to do that in the good, the bad, and the hmm at the end of the show, of course. Uh, before that, though, we're going to take a look back on the six-game homestand that was going to save or sink the season. They go three and three, and it's uh, very uninspiring, I'll say. We will dig into what we learned during the homestand and what it might mean going forward before we get into the good, the bad, and the hmm to round it out. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who have made daily fantasy sports fun, easy, and most importantly, accessible. It's not this difficult slog where you got to find a bunch of friends to play with and set up a league and then do a draft and then manage your lineup all season long. That's miserable. No one wants to do that. Instead, you should go and play daily fantasy sports with prize picks. All you got to do is pick two to six players and whether they're going to go over a score more or less than the number of points they are projected for on a given night. It could also be rebounds, steals, assists, whatever you want. Uh, you can play, again, up to six players. And if you win on all six players, you can win 25 times your entry. That is amazing. Uh, and also, you're not competing against other people it's just you against the projections the way it should be with daily fantasy there's not some shadow expert with a team that you haven't even seen that you're up against blindly you can do it from any sport as well you can do cross sport entries maybe you're a hockey fan and an nhl fan and you're a women's college basketball fan you can get all three of those leagues and players on to a single entry entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy safe and fast withdrawals too currently operational in over 30 states in canada with the exception of ontario at the moment download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up today to play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 bucks when you use the promo code locked on that means if you put in 100 bucks 100 bucks is just going to appear in your account what a wonderful thing courtesy prize picks of course don't forget to enter the promo code locked on to get that 100 deposit match up to 100 with prize picks this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history after beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Vivek Jacob here. Uh, earlier podcast than usual, we will notice it's even funnier that you're wearing sunglasses because it's at night. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, God, what's the guy who sings the song, Sunglasses at Night? Oh, Corey Hart. That's who you are. Uh, it's wow, okay. Sean Woodley, Corey Hart here guiding you through but yeah because of the three o'clock start on monday wanted to get this one a little bit earlier for you if you're confused as to the early drop time or the pitch blackness in my background no i did not get the blackout sheet a lot of you people have been de desperately asking for ain't happening uh <laughs> all right let's uh get to the road trip or the homestand shall we uh three and three they went against the hornets twice and look as much as the jokes were, it's just the Hornets, I do think there were tangibly positive things you could take away from those games in terms of the process offensively, uh, in terms of, you know, the rotations, finding bench contribution, all of that. 
Uh, it didn't carry over to the Hawks game, of course, so that's very disappointing. Um, it seemed as though there was a chance to salvage this thing at 4-2 and two after losing to the Bucks and Knicks with a couple of fake comebacks to start the homestand. Not so much anymore. They're 19-24. and 24. They're right on the line of the play-in with the Bulls at 19-24 and 24 as well, and the Bulls at the tiebreaker. Uh, Big V, for you, what is your sort of key takeaway? What do we learn about the Raptors in this homestand, and what does it mean going forward that they only stumbled their way to 3-3? Three and three? I think it means that you know the roster needs tweaks mm-hmm. and it's up to the front office to evaluate when it's best to make those tweaks. Sure. Is, it, is there a deal that presents itself before Feb 9th, uh, the trade deadline, that uh, is the most ideal? Or mm-hmm. is it you know getting to the summer um, and then potentially being uh in more of a position of strength mm-hmm. um but then you know you get to the summer at that point i would think that the game plan is probably just to resign the guys and then yeah. kick it even further down the can so which i made the argument for <laughs> on friday and i think there's a sound reasoning for it even though maybe less sound after watching that game on saturday <laughs> yeah and so i think now just talking it out you're then so you're basically evaluating hey do you make a a definitive move or a defining move um Mm -hmm. before feb 9th or do you are you essentially then pushing all the way to the summer of 2024 yeah yeah it's that's when you get into the position of strength right yeah um yeah so uh so i think that is a big decision to make and i think you have to be real about the limitations of this roster. Mm-hmm. I think you have, and you know, this is something I've been thinking about uh, in terms of how long we've seen the experiment. Um, and it's not very long. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's long enough uh, in terms of what you need to know, right? Like, I don't, I don't think there's any debating about, you know, the need for a center or a need for another sure. guard at this point. Sure. Right. Sure. Uh, in terms, because. Because that's where, in terms of a sample size, you don't just have to look at the Raptors, right? Right. Like, the Warriors literally had the death lineup. Yeah. And that was needed Kevon Looney. (laughs) (laughs) And and that was not their go-to lineup at all times, right? Yeah. Or the majority of minutes. It was a select lineup, right, that they Mm -hmm. went to. And so if that's the death lineup, right, (laughs) then, you know, there's things to think about with, the limitations of this one right mm-hmm. um you can even go back to a bit of the sample size of the rockets when they traded clint capella mm. and were effectively using robert covington as their center right sure. so there's other examples that you can take from um that show the need for a center uh that show that that type of lineup is um you know, to quote Fred VanVleet, a tool in the toolbox, not the sure. entire toolbox. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's been sort of the the sort of fake thing about this roster is that there is not any versatility to it, right? Everyone in, on their own is in theory versatile and that they can guard any position. But as far as like skills brought to the table, there is a lot of overlap. There is a lot of redundancy. Not that redundancy is always a bad thing, but you need to have some 
pliability to the different ways you can play basketball. And we see like, hey, when Christian Coloco was playing real ass center uh, and doing well, like, hey, things kind of look a little bit better. They look a little bit more normal. They look like NBA basketball. And again, to be sort of hinging everything on Christian Coloco having a good night is uh, is not the place you want to be. As far as like the the questions relating to the guys currently on the roster, which is I think what more people are probably concerned about at the moment. Like I still think you know we had this homestand as this sort of a January fifteenth. I think you've said this actual date as we record this on January fifteenth. This was the date you wanted to see to you know pass in order to kind of make a determination on what to do this season. I truthfully am no closer to a resolution of what to do with Fred Van Fleet or Gary Trent Jr., the two guys who you would figure are most likely to be at least potentially on the move at the deadline. Um, you know, I, I think I probably still side on keeping Gary Trent Jr. around because his skill set is very valuable. Fred, you can argue either way, and I and I can hear both sides of it, but I don't know if this homestand did much to give us clarity on that question, which is kind of the question at hand for the time that we're in. I don't know, man. Did you feel any, like, are you any closer to kind of knowing what to do there? I, you know, I think it ultimately doesn't really matter what we think. It probably comes down to do the Raptors get a good offer for Fred Van Vliet. If they do, they'll probably do it. If they don't, they probably won't. But as far as what you think they should do, um, you know, especially with those two guys, I don't feel like this homestand really helped out all that much, which is kind of a bummer. And now we're just kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs the same way we were a couple of weeks ago. It's a bit maddening here, Big V. Yeah, I think if the front office is leaning away from doing something before Feb 9th, Hmm. then I would say they're probably confident that they can re-sign Fred. And, uh, you know, if if you look at the neighborhood of that four years, 114 that they could have offered uh, in the summer, this past Mm -hmm. summer, something Mm -hmm. in that neighborhood is probably what they'd look to do. And yep. so at that point, you're thinking, I would assume that they would be comfortable with that, believing that Fred will bounce back. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and so um, <clears throat> that's an important evaluation to make. Uh, and then with Gary Trent Jr., in terms of re-signing him, you know, again, you're looking at potentially a nine-figure deal, right? Yeah. And so committing to those two, uh, you're going to have to have some type of conversation with <laughs> Larry Tenenbaum uh, <laughs> because he's obviously been supportive when you're able to contend. Well, right? you can stay under the tax next season, even signing them on the high end of what their proje- projected outcomes are as far as deals. You can still stay under the tax for yeah. next year. It's 2024 yeah. where it all comes crunchy. Exactly. It's very difficult, yeah. Exactly. So so the point I was getting to was like that conversation then becomes, okay, what is the plan in 2024 then, right? Sure. Uh, so, so I think that is what will have to be crystal clear uh, from the Raptors' perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Let me ask you this one. Did this homestand do anything to maybe tilt you to thinking the Raptors might do something even bigger than we've kind of thought? Like, do you think the results here, the fact they're 19 and 24, 
Do you think it at all portends like an OG trade or something like that? I probably still think that's not something you do midseason, but uh, that game against the Hawks, man, like that's the kind of loss that gets people fired and traded. Like it's I'm not saying that's going to happen for the Raptors players, but like another team has it. That's the kind of game that gets all of those takes flowing. It was a really embarrassing game. Yeah, I mean... I imagine there is frustration, right? Like if you mm -hmm. watch Masai's presser uh, <clears throat> at media day, yeah, right? Like he fully expected this team to take another step. Yep. And obviously that has not panned out. Um, and so again, I think it's just from his perspective, it's like, am I dealing from a position of strength? I think mm -hmm. he has shown a penchant for doing that over his tenure. And so I think, that's where I don't think he'll put himself in, <clears throat> you know, a meek uh, position. Like, mm -hmm. I think obviously there's a lot of expectation this season and, and they're kind of victims of their own success in that way. Yep. But, you know, if you think back even to like 2014-15, right? And the way that Wizard series ended, like everything everyone was kind of expecting wholesale changes right yeah uh and that's kind of what i think back to and mm -hmm. the, the raptors were more like okay we know what we don't want and it was kind of like okay lou williams is out the door mm -hmm. um but beyond that there wasn't really anything major right uh, yeah and so Damari carroll baby <laughs> <laughs> Who's who's Damari Carroll like this offseason? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, well, ironically, Otto Porter is just on the shelf. That's true. <laughs> By the way, Damari would have been a perfect Division 6-9 guy. He would have had a great time. <laughs> so I think that's where, you know, you have to look at history and, and let it tell you that the Raptors are more likely to be patient than not, mm -hmm. um, regardless of what all the outside noise is. Um. And yeah, I, I, I really think that it's much more likely that there's something minor done at the yeah. deadline. And I would be pretty surprised if, if they do opt for something major. I think I'm with you. Um, I'm glad you brought up the 2014-15 Raptors because I, I made this point on Twitter a couple days ago, not to recycle tweets for the podcast. I'd never do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a world like... This season, obviously different shape. They probably aren't going to get the chance to get swept in the first round of the playoffs at this rate, although who knows. But this season does feel like getting swept against the Wizards. Like it feels that crushing. It feels that momentum stopping. It doesn't have to mean that it's the end of what you have. Again, the flaws are clear. They have to do something to address the flaws. But, you know, I, I struggle with the idea of addressing the flaws by trading away the good players on your roster, as flawed as they may be themselves, and as frustrated as some people may be with their performances. And look, I have been very much in defense of Fred quite a bit. I, if you're mad about him uh, after the Saturday game, I get it. Like, it's there's no defending that kind of game, much like there was no defending DeJounte Murray for Fred Van Vliet. Um, but there's, you know... I, I am just, I'm not going to rehash all the things I said on Friday. You go listen to Friday's show, but I am of the mind that patience can be a very good thing and is an underrated thing in team building. And yeah, kind of taking a step back, realizing last year, 
Not to say everything is going to follow exactly the road the Raptors took from trading Rudy Gay to winning the championship for a second straight decade, but they had that surprise fun season where everything was great, happy-go-lucky, you lose in the first round. The second season, yeah, it's not going to be a sweep at the hands of the Wizards. It's going to be probably 36 wins and, you know, bowing out in the play-in, but... That doesn't have to mean that you totally veer off course and change everything about what you've got. You ch change the margins, you maybe tweak some schematic stuff, and maybe things can be a little better going into next season. It's hard to say. I will. One last quick thing we learned on this homestand. Uh, Precious Achoo is awesome and is going to be a very important part of this team and probably has the capacity to fill some of the flaws that the Raptors currently are dealing with once he's kind of back up to fuller speed. 28 minutes in the game against the Hawks. Very good to see indeed. We will continue on. Get to the good, the bad, and the hmm, and the new segment, Fake Comebacks a Banger. It's going to have a song accompanying it at some point, but not right now. Uh, either way, let's uh, quickly, before we do all of that, tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. You're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Well, you're probably like me, who is someone who just spent the last month and a half eating fat and calories exclusively. But Built Bars are here to make it so you can feel like you're indulging, feel like you're having a little sweet tooth day, a little cheat day, but in fact, you're getting something that's good for you. It's got good stuff that's going to power you through your day. An average Built Bar, 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. That's like half the calories and a fraction of the sugar of your typical candy bar. It's a wonderful alternative if you're trying to wean off the sweets like me. And this is a constant struggle for me, but Built Bars have been a constant help in me doing that. I like to have a Built Bar as sort of a thing in the morning. I'm not a huge breakfast eater myself, but a Built Bar powers me through. And they have all sorts of wonderful flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond, and not to mention all all sorts of other ones. They got the marshmallow puffs. They got granola bars. They've got a wonderful selection. You can find it all right now at Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs, or whichever other flavored flavor tickles your fancy. Built bar, they're fantastic. Go check them out at your nearest Walmart. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, we have reached the part of the show that closes out every episode after a Raptors game. The good, the bad, and the hmm, a thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us a little bit intrigued. The good for me, probably for you as well, Scotty Barnes was awesome in this game. Uh, 27, 12, and 2, 3 steals, 9 to 16, 9 to 10 from the line, which is really awesome to see, uh, and just kind of realized, oh, I'm the fastest and strongest person on this floor, and took it to the Hawks. Thoughts on Scotty Barnes's uh, you know, another really good game from him and a run of pretty solid performances here from Scotty. Yeah, Scotty's playing great. Obviously, he's taken to this role as, uh, you know, a, a center and operating in the screening action with Fred or Pascal, mm -hmm. uh, running into these dribble handoffs. 
and making the most of it. In seven January games now, he's averaging 18.7.3 rebounds, 5.4 assists, uh, stealing a block a game. He's shooting 50% from the field. He's cut down on the threes. So uh, I think this is this is an ideal version of Scotty uh, mm-hmm. for the remainder of this season. <clears throat> and yeah, you see him, you know, when he gets the ball in the paint, it just seems like he has every option, right? Like oh, yeah. it, it's like he's going to find a seam for an open teammate. He's going to find uh, a way to just, you know, lure his man into, uh, you know, within three feet of the basket and then just mm-hmm. power over or just, you know, make a nice quick move uh, to finish. And so, uh, this is the best of Scotty Barnes that we've seen in all season. And hopefully this is how it continues the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he's just, he's so like the touch is incredible. The strength he has, the way he can kind of maneuver and alter his shot to, you know, contend with whatever, you know, guy is contesting him. Like it, it's pretty impressive stuff. And I mean, sometimes he just drives in from the wing and lays it in as though he's LeBron James, like he had in that one situation where he drove in from, I think it was the right wing and finished with the left, just like a beautiful swooping drive. And there are very few dudes who are that strong, that dexterous, that smooth, who can pull that off. And, you know, again, I've been not that worried about Scotty Barnes this season, if we're being totally real. I I, I think he's a second-year player, and we don't give second-year players nearly enough grace to be second-year players. Um, just pulling up here what his numbers are from two-point range in particular over the last little while here, because uh, that is a big bellwether. Uh, I can't find it on the fly here because basketball reference is slow. Either way, uh, he's been better inside. He's commanding the floor from the middle of the floor and you know obviously the assists weren't there in the game against the hawks but why would he go and you know pass to other guys who were bricking everything when he could just go and dunk it uh works for me if you ask me uh (laughs) let's get to god god um i'm very disgruntled by the websites being slow here big v and i'm also thrown off by it being a sunday night recording anyway let's get to the bad shall we uh i'm glad it's not the shades yeah, no, the shades are making me comfortable and happy because I don't have to talk to an actual person. I'm just talking to someone with sunglasses. It's far more comfortable for my, uh, you know, hermit lifestyle. All right, bad. My bad. I think I'm over this team trying for two for ones, Big V. Uh, this happened at the end of the third quarter. Pascal going for a two for one. There have been a few situations this year where it's just not worked out. You get Fred taking weird jumpers, you get Pascal forcing things. None of these guys are Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was the master of the two-for-one, and as much as we would like for everyone to be Kyle Lowry, it's just not, you can't do it. Kyle Lowry's one of one, and like he had the timing down. He also knew when not to do it because the shot they were getting was not a good one, and I feel like the shot quality the Raptors are getting in these two-for-one situations is miserable, so instead of getting one sort of difficultly created but probably all-right shot, they're getting two miserable ones and usually kind of coming out in the red in these situations. I'm sick of it. Stop the two-for-ones, please. It's just not working for this group. Uh, That's something you do when you're winning a lot of games. It can start getting cute, and this team is certainly not in the position where they can be cute, and they are not cute when they're doing these two-for-ones uh big v what's your bad um my bad is just the general lack of swag you know i think uh we were so spoiled with uh you know especially after the championship Mm -hmm. there was this 
sort of inertia within that there was always like that typical never underestimate the heart of the champion stuff um mm-hmm. tampa season in- excluded mm-hmm. um and that's part of why you believed in the turnaround last season and yep. why we've maybe hung on for as long as we have this season uh but it's just absent and yeah. uh it doesn't look like it's gonna be here anytime this season uh <laughs> and so I think that is the bad that, you know, even watching today's press conference uh, mm. or scrum uh, with Nick Nurse, you can sense that frustration. Yeah. Right. And it's like something's missing. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just not there. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, look, I, Bill Simmons has weird takes, all right? But Bill Simmons, I think one thing you got to give that credit, do credit for is he always has had a really good sort of finger on the pulse of when teams have like a healthy ecosystem and everyone's kind of vibing with one another. He can kind of pinpoint when things are off in sort of in sort of the, the, the player dynamics, the interpersonal dynamics on a team. And uh, he's right in that you have to have those things be at least – in a decent to good place, if not a great place, in order for your team to succeed. Because look, 100%. like any job, you spend 82 days, 80, 82 games, six months, working with the same people all the time. If you don't like enjoy the people you're around, and I'm not saying they don't enjoy each other or whatever, but if you're not finding joy at work, work's going to be a slog. You're going to hate it. And I think we forget that that applies to uh, basketball players as well as regular work-a-day dudes going to their office job. Like it, it's, it matters. And... You know, again, I don't know where it's gone wrong. I don't know what's missing from this mix, but something is. And that's a far more damning thing, honestly, than anything, you know, schematically to me. The lack of a center, blah, 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 blah. The fact that they don't seem to have any fun playing basketball together, bit of a red flag. And I don't really know how you address that. And, you know, I guess we'll see. I'm sure the Raptors front office has more ideas on this and they have more intel than, than we do as to what's going on interpersonally, but something's not going right and that's bad. Uh, let's go to the hmm, shall we? My, it's more of a question. You know, there's all these sorts of uh, beginnings of the eulogies of Vision 6-9 as the deadline approaches. Um, but of course we saw last night the Raptors' best stretch of the game, and if you think back to the last couple of years, some of their best stretches entirely have come when they fully leaned in Division six foot nine and played exclusively six foot nine players. It's this look. I, I think the whole term Vision six foot nine, and as the person who I'm pretty sure coined it, I can't confirm, but I'm pretty sure I coined it. Um, you can fact check me on that. Whatever. You, I, I'm pretty sure I did. Go back and check the tweets. Um, but as the person who coined Vision six foot nine, we're just going to declare it now. Uh, I feel like the meaning's been like entirely lost, and there's not really any meaning to the term anymore. Um, so, look, please it, assign the meaning. The, like Vision 6-9, I think, is just like a thought that, oh, playing with guys who are tall is better than playing with guys who are short, assuming you can have short guy skills imbued within the tall guys. Uh, and I don't think that's wrong. I think eventually there will be a team somewhere that has all 6-9 and above players, but they're actually skilled and can hit threes and do all the things you need from guards. The Raptors just might not have them right now. Uh, but I think they're onto something. The Orlando Magic might be that team. Who's to say? Um, but like the concept of Vision 6-9 has never been everyone has to be 6'9". It's, you know, guys who are taller are more equipped to succeed on a basketball floor, so what if they could do guard things? Um, 
when it comes to when the Raptors are successful playing all six nine guys, it's wonderful for the branding of Vision Six Nine. Uh, but I think it speaks to like guys bringing the requisite skills to the floor to make winning basketball work. You throw in the the weirdness and the sort of off kilter factor. Either way, I I don't even know what I'm getting at. I just think it's interesting that the the best this team looks sometimes are the times where they actually are just playing all the six, nine guys. Um, you know, again, I don't think vision is six, nine really means anything anymore. I don't think it's really going to guide the vision of the team necessarily going forward either, but I just find it interesting that they uh, seem to perform quite well when they do in fact play vision six, nine. Uh, that's my hymn. What's yours? So my hmm is just looking back on the season and realizing that, there's been quite a few possessions where Pascal uh, has had the ball in end of quarter scenarios mm -hmm. <clears throat> and been comfortable uh, taking the uh, pull up three. Mm. He's made four of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just something I'm looking at and saying, hey, is this, uh, you know, something that he's at the point now where in an end of quarter situation, he's just very comfortable going to if yeah. they drop just enough. And, <clears throat> you know, he did it against Charlotte. He's done it a few other times. Uh, and so, yeah, that's just something I'm looking at. Um, I asked Nick Nurse about it. Mm. Uh, he said there's nothing to read into it. So um, <laughs> I was like, I'll wait. I'll wait for a few more. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so that's why it's classic Nick. It's, you feel it's, like you make an astute observation of what happens on the floor and Nick goes, nah. <laughs> That's the Nick Nurse effect. That's like getting popped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel yeah, like Samson was, is the biggest, the most frequent so victim of this one. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, his point was more so that oh, it is an end of quarter scenario, so hmm. you've got to shoot the ball. And I was kind of like, well, looking at the four he made, like only one of them was like an actual. I think it was the one in Cleveland where yeah. he like got it off at the buzzer. Like yeah. the one against Charlotte, that was literally like twelve seconds on the clock where you're like. Oh, you probably dribble it out, and he just pulled yeah. up for it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that that's something I'm kind of looking at, as you know, maybe the next thing that Pascal has added. Yeah, he's added the Lou Williams end of quarter shot to his repertoire. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no, because we can't get enough of the 2014-15 Raptors. Vibes. There we go. Way to bring it all back. I'm a professional, man. I'm a pro. Uh, we're going to round this out with a segment, again, that will soon accompany a very bad song. Uh, but it's a song, a song that will be uh, framed around the classic Don't Look Back in Anger by our friends over at Oasis. I will be pr producing that tomorrow or Tuesday. In time for the next fake comeback, I promise. But... Uh, welcome to the new segment called Fake Comebacks a Banger, where we are going to rank, or rate, I suppose, between 1 and 10, the quality of the latest Toronto Raptors fake comeback, because it's the only thing we can count on this team doing basically every other night. Uh, so Big V, we saw a fake comeback against the Hawks. Uh, I thought it was a little different in its flavor. There were bench contributions. They went with the Vision 6-9 thing. I like that they're mixing it up a little bit. Uh, how would you rate this uh, fake comeback, of course, that ended with Scotty getting a technical, some controversy on a call, uh, all the, the nine yards? It seemed like it was a pretty packed one. Give me a score from 1 to 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this a 5. Okay. Um, you know, just because it never fully felt like, oh, this is something that really might happen. 
Right. Uh, and so I think it was like cute. It was like, oh, they're doing something different and it's kind of working. Um, but then again, like I mentioned, like they went to like the Hawks went to the zone and it was like, oh, well, they know <laughs> there's enough guys in this five that won't make a shot. And there's <laughs> enough guys on, on the floor that won't be able to get to the basket. And mm-hmm. that's the end of that. Yeah, you know, I'll probably go like a six and a half or a seven. I said seven and a half last night on Twitter as I debuted this segment as a tweet. Again, I never use tweets to inform the podcast content ever. Um, I think I'll scale it back a little bit. You know, I did like that we saw that sort of quirky bench look with OG kind of at the helm. That was a fun little wrinkle mm. to the fake comeback. We haven't seen something like that before. Um, and, you know, there were some really nice Scotty flourishes, which are always good. The fact that you couldn't complete your fake comeback against the Atlanta Hawks is very disappointing to me. Uh, you know, the, the Hawks are no great shakes as a basketball team. Truly, I think they're bad. But, you know, the Raptors bring the best out of them, I suppose. Uh, and uh, so, Raptors yeah, I'll go the best out of a lot of teams this season. <laughs> They sure do. Not the Hornets. Maybe they did bring the best out of the Hornets. Losing by 10? That's the Hornets' best, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll go six and a half. Of course, the bellwether for this is the, the Bucks comeback is the 10. That's a, the fake comeback against which all future fake comebacks will be measured until something better happens, which maybe they have in their coffers. Who's to say? But that's fake comebacks a banger. Thank you. We'll have a song for it next time. The Raptors have a fake comeback, surely, on Monday afternoon against the Knicks. Uh, all right, Big V, let's round it there. Anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Usual stuff, raptors.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob, where I will have a bunch of Australian Open takes for the next couple weeks. I have Australian Open takes, having watched the Australian Open in your sunglasses this entire episode. <laughs> I know exactly what's going on. Is that Sitsi Pass up there? Well, uh, <laughs> no, that is Dennis Shapovalov. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, we're at it there. Thank you so much. You can uh, follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. I promise I won't talk this fast for future episodes this week. It's the nighttime. I've had a lot of coffee and tea today, so I'm a little more revved up than usual. Either way, thank you very much. We'll talk to you Tuesday as we break down Raptors, Knicks, and tee up Raptors, Bucks. Till then, bye bye. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.